If you're struggling personally or professionally, it's not because you're doing something wrong. If the country's problems seem insurmountable, they're not. This stuff is hard. If it was easy, you would have figured it out by now. Fact is, people are way more complicated than you think, and so, naturally, their problems are too. One of my favorite expressions is, you don't know what you don't know. Like a new pair of glasses, this podcast will give you life-altering insights into seemingly hopeless problems. I'm your host, Elaine Belson, and with nearly 30 years of clinical experience, including the Army, I know what works. And I know how to transform profound ideas into messages that are easy to understand, remember, and apply to your own life. Because I do it every day. As a social worker and self-described political junkie, I'll also explain the real reasons behind social division and how to fix it. We don't have a crystal ball to see into the future, but we can have a toolbox full of coping skills to carry us through life's journey. This is where you get your sense of control and mastery over your life. That's what this podcast is for, to fill up your toolbox. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode, episode two of It's More Complicated Than You Think. First of all, I have some good news. We have Fritz back with us today. We have decided to keep him. (laughs) You're like the Dread Pirate Roberts. You're like, good night, Wesley. Sleep well. I'll likely kill you in the morning, and I just keep coming back. I'm here. (laughs) You're stuck with me, girl. (laughs) I, I, I couldn't help it. I turned on uh my camera and there he was right surprise it's like oh who's this in the waiting room oh it's this fritz guy again no it's fun i like doing podcasts with you and last time it was like what's this gonna be like and at the end it's like holy gee whiz that was awesome so yeah looks like we're gonna be doing some doing a season together so yeah so um you know today we were gonna talk about the need for mental health curriculum in the schools public schools Mm -hmm. right Right. And, you know, as I was typing this up, I just, my heart wasn't into it. And, and I'm very uh, passionate about uh, schools, education, and of course, um, mental health. And, and this has been a topic or of mine or something of my uh, interest of mine for a long time is we need to bring uh, mental health curriculum into the public schools. And I know there's a lot of people out there that agree with me. But um, I've just had this this other thing that is just weighing on me. And so I wanted to talk about that today instead. Um, And so this is going to sound like an exaggeration probably to people, but it is not an exaggeration. Okay, and that is that within the next two years, certainly four years, we could lose our democracy. And I know that sounds crazy. Um, And unless you're watching the news closely, you're not gonna see it. Um, 
but that's the way things happen. That's how democracy gets dismantled. It doesn't, it doesn't happen all at once. It happens very slowly and um, stealthily, right? So, um, so in terms of our podcast, uh, my main objective is to talk about how we can get more Americans to pay attention to this, to be aware of that, what's going on, because I truly believe, I mean, obviously, I, I would hope that most Americans would like to keep democracy. They, they're not interested in going into a, an authoritarian government. Um, but um, the, it, it, it's a matter of um, how do we get them to, to see that? Because I, I believe that if most Americans are aware of what's going on, they're going to be against it, right? So I think the mm -hmm. more people that know about it, you know, the safer we are. So, um, yeah, so what, what do you know about this? <laughs> you know, when I was preparing to talk about this today, I thought, I'm going to bring some levity to the situation and be like, oh, not much. This is going to be a short podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. But this is a really serious topic. And to your point, what you said before about how it's not been an overnight change, um, I, I liken it to the word picture of, you know, boiling a frog, right? I mean, it's like, hey, I like frogs, you know, I'm not, you know, anti-frog or anything. But, you know, if you put a frog in a pot of water and just gradually increase the heat, if you do it too quick, it'll jump out. But if you gradually increase it, you can boil a frog. Um, I've never done that, but that's exactly what I see happening. Yeah, that's it, a, yeah. a proverb. And I have been saying that for like four or five years now. We are the proverbial frog in the pot. Mm -hmm. And just watching it steadily um, get more and more dangerous. Um, you know, especially those of us in uh, mental health, and I don't want to rehash the past, um, but mental health professionals have been warning about this for four or five years. Right. So, so um, what, what do you know about it? I know... A little bit just because I'm not as involved in politics like yeah. it's not I've thought before it's like I should get into politics I went to a city hall meeting and that was fun you know what if I were helping out you know how can I serve mm -hmm. um, but what I see actually lately it seems like there has been a sharp uptick in the kinds of tells and trends that are like uh oh you know, I think I think a lot more people are seeing it. They're seeing these telltale signs, but they're just not fully aware of what these signs mean. Right. right. Like, like, what and does it mean when all the news them. outlets? Exactly. It's like, what does it mean when all the news outlets are saying the same thing? What does it mean when this happens in government? What does this mean if, you know, this happens on social media? Why are whole companies getting canceled? Kind of, it's like, hold on a second. Like, there's this thing over here. And this thing over here, but they're kind of related, you know, we can right. kind of see that a little bit, but the average American, 
Probably not. Right, right. And um, yeah, there's so much back and forth that it's hard for people to know what to believe, right? right. So, um, so the first thing that, well, let me, let me tell you this story. So um, yesterday I was at the hair salon and, you know, when you go to the hair salon or maybe you don't know it, but, you know, people chat about family and what's going on in their lives. So me being me, you know, when I'm um, <clears throat> there sitting with my hairdresser uh, and, I, and I've known her for, oh my gosh, since like, I've been seeing her since like 95. Yep. Yeah. You know how it is with hairdressers. So, um, but, you know, me being who I am, I, I said to her, you know, our democracy is in peril. To yeah. my hairdresser. What she have to say about that? Um, that's a good question. What did she have to say? I don't know that she responded specifically to my statement. She knows that I'm involved in politics. And I think she kind of responded to that. You know, I know that you're really involved in, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually sent her a link to an article that was written uh, two days ago, right? It was by a, a conservative judge. And this is somebody who's, he's no, uh, you know, fan of the Democratic Party. And even he is saying that um, the Republicans are setting the stage for stealing the election, presidential election 2024. Right? Mm. Yep. And a conservative said that about Republicans. Huh? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Well, you know, and if you, I'm a political junkie, what can I say? And I'm a news <laughs> junkie. So, um, but there are a lot of Republicans uh, that have left the party, you know, or have been very critical of the party. And I could name a whole bunch of inside the Beltway people that probably nobody's ever heard of, right? But um, Michael Steele, who used to be the uh, the director of the um, Republican National Committee, that's the that's the the organization for the party, Republican mm-hmm. Party. He was there, the head of their organization. He is totally a hundred percent critical, right? Right. Um, you've got Steve Schmidt, who was the campaign manager for um, Jim uh, McCain mm-hmm. when he was running for president. Okay. Totally 100% critical, right? Right. So, and then there's um, some um, like uh, Bill Crystal, who's an op-ed writer, very conservative, also very critical. Mm-hmm. So there's a, that that is part of the problem though, is that, all of the people that speak out against it have left the party. So who does that leave left? Nothing but syncophants, people yes. who all are saying the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. right. And reinforcing each other's uh, 
skewed beliefs. Right. The very people that would have the drive and the power to kind of do something about this, you know, be a light in the world right in the corner where you are. And they leave and it's like, well, you just took away your, your chance to influence things for the better. What the heck? So right. I, I am curious about this, though, because it seems like, I mean, in this country anyway, we're fairly a two-party system. I mean, yeah, we got some other, we got Green Party, we've got independents, we got constitutionalists, but it's like, it's either Republican or Democrat, right? Exactly. So do you think that this is, would this be the start of, you know, like Republican Republicans and these other Republicans? Another third party. There's been chatter about it. There's been chatter. And I even tweeted the other day, I said, you know, maybe the Canadians and the Brits and the Israelis have it right. Maybe, maybe we should have gone parliamentarian, you know, where you have a whole bunch of because it forces more, um, you know, compromise. You have smaller parties, right? And they mm-hmm. have to band together in order to get somebody, like get a, a you know, a leader uh, voted in. So anyway, um, so the the midterm elections are coming up. And let's start with the basics. What are midterm elections, right? Those are the elections that happen between our presidential elections, right? So Mm -hmm. we had in 2020, we had a presidential election. So in 2022, right, we have what's called a midterm election. And usually governors are elected in midterm elections. So it's kind of like you, you, you um, what do you call it? You sort of piggyback, is it? Um, not piggyback, but you alternate, alternate between, you know, presidential election and what we call gubernatorial election. Okay. That's the midterm election, gubernatorial election. And so all elections are in November, right? Although there are, um, there are primaries, Okay, and what primaries are is you and I, Fritz, are running for um, Congress, right? And we're both Republicans, right? So only one of us can move on to the general election in November, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. this is where only people who are Republicans or registered Republicans can vote for us, right? Mm-hmm. And they choose which one of us they want to represent Republic, the Republican Party in the general election in November. Right. Right. And since I have blonde hair, I wouldn't win. But you don't know what color hair I got under this hat, girl. It's gray. <laughs> My hair um, says experience, you know. So, but OK, so. um what um, what I was going to say about that too is that um, they um, occur at different times. Not everybody's primary election is at the same time. Like you know, usually states decide that, right? And people right. may remember in the presidential elections, it's the same thing, right? Remember we have like Super Tuesday, and and we have in the very beginning we have Iowa, New Hampshire, and and they're all scattered out scattered out over the the year, right? 
That's mm-hmm. what you do in the primary elections. States get to decide, and then the general election is always one day. Okay, just to make sure that. Um, so, what? What? Uh, what? Why do I say that our democracy is in danger? Okay. Um, well, there's a couple of things that are sort of like what we call the authoritarian playbook. Right. There are certain things that authoritarians try to do. Hitler did this. Right. Mussolini, Stalin, Putin all engage in these behaviors. Right. And it's starting to happen here. And you will notice some of those commonalities in some of the things that our previous president did. Okay. Okay. So one of them is making you question independent institutions, things that we normally would think of as, you know, they don't have a bias. They're not even political, like the CDC, right? Mm -hmm. The Centers for Disease Control, which oversaw the COVID pandemic, right, was turned political, A lot of our national security institutions, the CIA, the National Security Agency, Mm -hmm. um, were also depicted or characterized as being partisan. Remember the mm-hmm. phrase deep state? Did you hear that get floated around? Uh, a couple times, yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> it's it's that come means, up a little bit. That means that there are people inside these institutions that are under the surface, you know, trying to control things, right? Right. Okay. Um, these are the people that we rely on to protect ourselves protects this country, right? And many may recall Donald Trump saying he believed Vladimir Putin more than he believed his intelligence, right? There was a a conference in Helsinki where the two of them met and he said this, you can Google it. Trump, Helsinki, it was a, um, a press, press conference, right? Okay. right? So the second one that I'll mention is spreading disinformation, right? You get to a point where you don't know what's the truth anymore. And we now have a whole industry of far right, I'll call it far right media that are spreading a lot of disinformation. I mean, that's just a fact. It's just not, it's, it, they're lying. They're lying to people. And so for example, you know, the whole uh, voter fraud thing in 2020, right? Um, I could 
give you a ton of sites, you know, that you could look, check for yourself about the statistics of that. Voter fraud is not a problem in this country, which is, I mean, you, you know, I think part of the thing is that it might sound intuitively, it might sound like, yeah, I mean, it'd be so easy to just walk up and give somebody else's name and, you know, why shouldn't we have to show an ID or something like that? Um, but the fact is it isn't, it doesn't happen. It's like 0.00025%. And I might've left out a zero there, right? Yeah. So um, I don't know how many people know this, but, but Donald Trump's uh, team had filed 60 cases to the court, 60 after the election, every single one got thrown out. Hmm. What, so what does that, that say? And this is all yeah. over the, this is all over the country, different states. Mm -hmm. So are all these states, are all these judges, are all these courts conspiring against Donald Trump? They didn't find, you know, in order for your case to be heard, you have to find there has to be some legitimate claim. They didn't find a legitimate claim, whatever they tried to argue in their briefs. So, mm -hmm. um, but this is the kind of stuff that gets kind of swept under the rug, right? right. Unless you're really paying attention. Um, removing checks and balances of power. So here, what has been happening, as we were talking about earlier, is the Republicans are no longer acting as a check and balance, or were not acting as a check and balance against Donald Trump, mm -hmm. right? And I'm going to get back to that in a little bit, but, um, but you know there were two impeachments trials or no one impeachment trial one impeachment that didn't make it over to the senate um or did it no it made it over to the senate but they rejected it okay yeah. anyway sorry um so the second one they had a vote but all the republicans voted against it because he was he was leaving anyway so um mm -hmm. that was that was the argument so but you know there were a whole lot of things that they just overlooked. They did not set any kind of consequences or boundaries, right? And right. so even though they were there, you know, we had, I mean, if people understand democracy, they understand there are three branches of government, executive, which is the president, then you have um, legislative, which is Congress. Mm -hmm. And then you have judicial, which is the court system, right? right. Mm -hmm. And basically the Republicans were, um, they, were, they were giving up their power. They were not using it. They were not acting as what we call checks and balance, a check and balance for what Donald Trump was doing. Right. And that's yep. really dangerous. Um, and if it weren't for the courts, 
then we would be in more trouble than we are. Mm. Right. right. And a few individual actors, people don't realize how close we came. Um, So now if this article that I was telling you about earlier that this um, conservative judge wrote, federal judge, right? One of the things he's talking about is he says now the Supreme Court is poised to be a um, enabler in the the stealing of an election. Ooh, yeah. Now, how would that work? Walk me through that because I know well, the Supreme Court came up last time. Yeah, the, logistically it's complicated, right? Well, good. It's the podcast talking about it, right? <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, Shameless plug. Sorry. I, well, you know, I, I, I can't give you all the details, but he did say that the Supreme Court has kind of a, what's the word? Um, project, not projected, but um, sort of, I guess, hinted in the way that I don't know in the way that they've been doing things so far or uh, some of the decisions they've made or just because of who's who the court is made up of and just looking at the makeup of that court and some of the things they said before they were um, on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, but he the whole idea is to create enough confusion that goes to the courts all the way to the Supreme Court. And for those who are old enough and remember the 2000 election with Gore and Bush, this is, this is the scenario that they're trying to achieve. Right. Okay. Talking about like the Florida recount where it just kept going back and forth. Right. And what ended up happening is it ended up going to the Supreme Court. And they ultimately decided the election. Mm-hmm. So they're bottlenecking it instead of having, you know, a countrywide decision be put in place. They're like, we're just going to funnel it into this one, like, I guess to use a military term, a kill zone. So then, you know, get it in there. So that's like, okay, well, if we have more of one party in the, in the seats than we have in the other one, then yeah, buddy. So that's right. what they're doing there's yes and and there's a couple of different layers to it so um but the 2020 election was what people are calling a trial run mm. you know and you know it's what you what you were just saying about it's complicated and you know, i was thinking about this and i as i was writing the agenda and i was thinking how can i explain this to people you know without them you know just thinking snooze fest, I'm changing the channel, right? And, and then I thought about, I said, well, that's the point of this podcast mm-hmm. is for people to understand that our problems, personal problems, social problems, these are complicated. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could simplify it. I wish that I could say, do this and this, or talk to this person or listen to this, you know, TV station, whatever. Um, And I wish that I could say, 
this is what's going on and this what needs this is what needs to change right but it's more complicated than you think and the republicans know this that's what they're counting on is it's complicated and people are just not going to get it right because it's not like right in front of their faces you know, um, what happened to the Capitol, right? People, mm-hmm. people see that and they go, oh, wow, that's scary. You know, that, that's a threat to our democracy, right? Um, but this isn't like that. This isn't, this is, you know, imagine people hiding behind corners at the Capitol and sneaking in when they get a chance and slowly taking over. I mean, <laughs> that's not what's happening. I don't, yeah. to, I don't wanna send anybody paranoid out there, but it's an analogy. It's an analogy, right? Um, people don't notice that kind of stuff, right? It's because it's trickling, trickling. So, yep. all right. Very gradual. Um, the next one is controlling the spread of information. So most people probably know that in autocracies, they have like one, what they call state TV. In other words, they have one channel, that spreads all the news and that news quote unquote news is whatever the government wants it to be. Right. Mm -hmm. We take for granted in this country that we can listen to a whole host of news programs and a whole host of opinions. Right. The idea of what we have going on right now would have been unthinkable even 10 years ago, right? Now we have this whole blossoming of this right-wing media on radio and on TV, especially, and, and of course on social media, right? <clears throat> and they are presenting information that is is very much just whatever it is that that republicans want people to hear right right and right now we have a lot of people speaking out against it but in an autocracy those would get dismantled those would get shut down that's what's happening right now in russia russia Putin shut down, there was maybe one or two independent news stations over there. They were shut down. Yep. Right? Because he doesn't want anybody talking about what's going on in Ukraine, what's really going on in Ukraine. So the population has no idea. Right? That's scary Mm -hmm. shit. Because if you don't have information, right, you can't make decisions. Right. right. You don't have what do they data. say? Knowledge is power. And autocrats know that. That's why free speech and freedom of the press is fundamental. Who kept calling? Who kept calling the press the enemy of the people? The autocrats. Donald Trump. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. He called the press the enemy of the people because he doesn't want you to trust 
the media because the media is going to debate, you know, and challenge what he says. That's, that's what autocrats, that's how autocrats behave. They don't want Mm -hmm. anybody challenging them. Right. Okay. And then the last one that I'm going to mention is corrupting elections. And that gets super complicated. So hopefully we can dig into that a little bit. But um, I talked a little bit about how they're trying to make it so that that this the presidential election gets decided by the Supreme Court. Right. And there's a whole lot of machinations going on underneath to make that happen. Right. And I wish I could give you the name of that uh, judge, Uh, but it was an opinion on um, CNN. And uh, it's like two, two days ago, I think it was maybe, yeah, it was either yesterday or the day before. Talking about a Supreme Court judge or a different one? No, the, that federal judge that wrote that opinion piece about how Republicans have creating or are creating a blueprint for stealing the election in 2024. Hmm. Yeah. If so, you find it, let's put it in the show notes because it's it's recent enough. We can put that's it a good point. That's up. a good point because yeah. I have all these other I have all these other links in, in the notes here. So what is your okay as as a a person that's maybe hearing all of this for the first time? What what is your what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that the way the human mind works it it in order for people to understand the gravity of what's going on and also the responsibility that they have each american has it's got to be something that they don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about and you know fortunately you know we have social media we have constant streams of information coming from all over the place. I mean, you've got a little smorgasbord of information. And unfortunately, what that means is by the same token, that same engine can easily be swayed to make people think whatever you want them to think, right? And I'm not trying to say this to, you know, come across sounding like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but, you know, people just don't like to think a whole lot. They don't, and, and, and I think we maybe talked about this last time uh or we've talked about it over over zoom previously but it's like our brains are wonderful things that are very very good at figuring out how to save calories and if there's a like a mental shortcut that can be taken so that people are like awesome i don't have to use my food reserves to think about that that then it's gonna do it we're wired to do that you know it's incredibly incredibly difficult and i think that's why right politics has gotten so complicated over the years is because you know the people that want to stay in power right it's like if we just make this really really stupid complex nobody's going to care they're just going to be like brain's done i'm full i'm out exactly whatever the heck we want right exactly you know not to get the question back to you but i mean the whole point of this particular episode is like what what is it that we can say to people to be like right what like what what you know and you got you got 26 minutes to solve the problem, Elaine. <laughs> you gonna make it? <laughs> Thanks, Fritz. 
No okay. pressure. I'm just saying. <laughs> so human nature is, right, that people don't change because you tell them to. Yes. Right? And so I actually do have a mantra for today, but I didn't want to introduce it in advance because it would give it away. Oh. My mantra for today is democracy is not a spectator sport. It only works if you participate. Mm. Louder for the people on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I get it. I get it because I know human nature. And contrary to popular belief, I may have said this last time as well, I do not give advice. I empower people to make good decisions. How do I do that? Two ways. I help them gain insight into themselves, their feelings, their wants, their needs, right? And then I help them to problem solve, right? So for the past four or five years, there's been information overload, right? Like you just said, there's been information overload but people don't change from information. Information does not change people's behavior. If it did, then people would never speed on the highway. If yeah. it did, people would never smoke. If it did, people would never eat junk food, right? There's plenty of information out there telling you these things are not good for you. But that's right. not what motivates people. What motivates people is emotion, right? Mm. And recognizing that this is really, again, we talked about, you know, this isn't about you versus Republicans or you versus Democrats or you versus the news or whatever media. This is about you versus you folks. Everything that Americans want for themselves and their families require a free and open society. Our well-being depends on democratic principles like feeling a sense of control over your life, right? Being able to express yourself, freedom of expression, and having, being able to achieve whatever it is you aspire to, unlimited opportunity. Those are principles of democracy and they are also necessity for human beings to thrive and to be happy, mm -hmm. right? So, Folks, your well-being and everything you want for yourself and your families, right, depends on democracy. And so you're right. I mean, I could state some statistics about how much Americans have taken democracy for granted. 
Um, so here's, here's one statistic, Pew Research. 67% of eligible of the eligible population voted in the 2020 presidential election, 67%. And that is higher than normal, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare it to other countries, you know, most developed countries like us, they're in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Most of the time, it hovers around the mid-50s. In previous presidential elections, hovers around the mid-50s. That means almost half of eligible Americans aren't even voting. They're not choosing their leaders. Mm -hmm. And again, Republicans know this. So what they're doing is they're energizing their voters, the people they know will go to the polls, right? And how are they doing that? We call it, quote unquote, the culture wars, right? Mm -hmm. This is picking on people that scare other people, right? Mm -hmm. So introducing legislation against gay rights, introducing legislation that bans books in the schools that talk about slavery, or, or um, talk about the history of the um, history of um, of Black Americans and some of the you know some of the the things that have happened mm-hmm. over the the years. Um, they um, talk about voter fraud, which doesn't exist, but they scare people into thinking that it does. Mm -hmm. And I think the percentage is something like 70 to 80% of Republicans believe that the 2020 election was rigged Mm. against Donald Trump. That's how how powerful information is. Yes, it is. Disinformation. Yes. Right. And, so, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, going back to what you said before about how information doesn't change behavior, feelings do. Like, it seems like if this is the case, then information is changing feelings, which exactly. changes behavior. It's not exactly. a direct correlation, but it's right. So, right so what what they're doing, and this um, this kind of gets more into social psychology, mm-hmm. which I'm not an expert in. Maybe maybe we can invite somebody on to talk about this, but yeah, because I'm sure not either. Uh, you're not, <laughs> Chris. I was, like, I was okay. A, I, it's trouble. a spectator sport for me. It's like, oh my goodness. Okay, so so what they do is, you know, anger. I like to say anger is a very empowering emotion, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is two things. It's very energizing, right? So energize right. you to do things that you normally wouldn't. And that can be channeled in positive ways, like protesting 
or negative ways like engaging in violence. It's also empowering in the sense that, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this, that it, it, it prompts you to do things that you normally wouldn't and say things that you normally wouldn't. I mean, how many of us have said things or done things in anger that we regret later? Mm, everyone. Right? And anybody that says they haven't is lying. <laughs> right. So, so that, again, that's, that's human nature. That's anger. Mm -hmm. And so what Republicans are doing is they are keeping that anger up. Keep, they continually say things and introduce legislation around the country to provoke anger because they want to keep their voters angry because if they're angry, then they're energized. And if they're energized, they're gonna go vote. Mm. That's how this works. That's, yeah, that's why, that's, yeah. What, that's what Trump was doing. He just, and they do that by engaging in culture wars, targeting minorities, you know, immigration, right? Like on the Southern border, mm -hmm. targeting black Americans, targeting gay Americans or LGBTQ, I should say, Americans. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think, um, and I apologize if I'm forgetting anyone out there, but, um, but those are some examples of the things that they do. And they are um, talking about it, but not only talking about it, they're introducing legislation around the country um, the governor of Virginia introduced some legislation to ban discussion of quote unquote critical race theory, mm -hmm. which, which kind of became this catch-all for anything talking about black Americans and their history in the school systems. Um, so anyway, I, like I said, this is complicated stuff, folks. <laughs> and I, I really, truly wish it wasn't. And so I hope you guys are sticking with me on this. Um, so, yeah. So the question is, how, how do we, how do we counteract this? How do we motivate voters or motivate Americans, right? To start paying attention because if, if people are paying attention they will obviously um, speak out against all of what's going on. And again, the Republicans know that. That's why they, that's what they're counting on. They're counting on people not paying attention. Oh, let me give you one other statistic. Where Americans get their news also hinders democracy. Mm. Again, according to Pew Research, eight out of 10 Americans get it from digital devices, mm -hmm. right? Of those that do, half, mostly adults under 50, rely on social media and tend to be less engaged and less knowledgeable. 
MIT Columbia University did a two-year study of voters' knowledge of political news and found that older, wealthier white males were more aware of news than any other demographic. Who do older white males usually vote for? Birds Republicans. Yeah. Republicans, right. <laughs> Nevertheless, even given that, the probability, get this, the probability of any demographic knowing a typical news story, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Peaked at 44%. That's a lot higher number than I thought you were going to say. I thought you were really? going to say 4%. Yeah. It's like, what? That's 66% of people. If you ask them, you know, anyone walking down the street, what's the, what's, you know, what, what's a typical news story today? Right? They're not going to know. They're not going to know. It's and, terrible. and guys, I, I, you know, this is what I know you're busy. I get it. But, you know, this is something I tell my patients, right? You have to look at what's in your control, right? Mm-hmm. It would be nice if everybody did the right thing. But unfortunately, not everybody does do the right thing. Right. There's a lot of bad actors out there. And, and I have to say, I'm just as disillusioned as anybody about this. I, I'm shocked. Absolutely shocked. Um, this is not an exaggeration, but the Republicans have chosen, they have, they have given up on democracy. They have chosen autocracy. And so the point is that this is what I tell my patients all the time. It isn't fair. It isn't right. You have every reason to want and expect your leaders to act responsibly. But unfortunately, reality is, is they don't. They're not. So you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. You have to do something because they're not going to, right? This is about looking at what's in your control, right? And I think we talked about that a little bit last time about what's in our control and what's not in our control. You know, what's in our control is obviously anything we do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the thing that I find with most human beings. It's, um, I want you to change so that I don't have to feel uncomfortable. Right? And the problem is that's what people rely on the most. And that is the thing that's the least in our control is changing other people or dysfunctional situations. Right? Right. Absolutely right. Yeah, the phrase that comes to mind with me is evil flourishes when good people do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, coming all the way around back to what you said about the the Republicans that were saying 
this is bad and I'm out. And it's like, why stay there and do the thing, right? But we've each, we've each got a responsibility to um, step up and do our part. And I know that it seems in society today, we've got such a predisposition to be self, like we're isolated. You know, the last two years didn't help things, but getting out and being able to connect with people face-to-face, build those relationships. I don't think you're advocating for, you got to be 100% aware of everything that's going on in this country. It's like, you can just be aware of your corner, be the sentinel, right? right? And notice things and say, hey, I see this problem and I can do what I can do to fix that problem. If everybody did that, if 300 million Americans did that, we would, you wouldn't have a podcast, Elaine. Look at the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement is a perfect example. It started with a hashtag Mm -hmm. and it was this tidal wave of conversion in holding bad actors accountable um, all over the place, right? In Hollywood, you know, in, in the news media, um, in, in, um, in government, um, there were um, something like, well, I don't want to say the number, but it was hundreds, hundreds of gymnasts that were being sexually abused by this one doctor for years. Yeah. And they finally spoke out about it. Soccer players were being sexually harassed, female soccer players. They finally spoke out. And then of course, we all probably have heard about all of the, the celebrities, right? That got caught because women started speaking out. Yeah. So, so information does not change people's behavior. So what does? So like I said, there's two things. One is facilitating insight and into emotions and what your needs are. So I'm going to ask the listeners some questions, right? Mm-hmm. These are rhetorical questions, right? Because this is what's going on across the country. Republicans are changing election laws, right? To control the outcomes of elections. And I know that if you're not paying attention, this stuff must sound outlandish, which is why I think, like you said, people are going about their lives because this is, un- this was, this is the unthinkable thing. It, it really is. Folks, it is unthinkable. The unthinkable is actually happening, right? And so if you're incredulous about this, if you think I'm over-exaggerating, over-exaggerating, not just exaggerating, but over-exaggerating, <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, some, some suggestions. Okay, so here we go. Imagine if instead of automatically receiving a ballot in the mail from your local board of elections, you would have to contact them and request one. What if you had to meet certain restrictions to vote absentee? In other words, not show up at the polls. Or if 
voting absentee were eliminated altogether. How would you feel about that? How would you feel if, um, now if, if you are able to vote absentee, right? Let's just assume that those restrictions, um, oh, okay, wait, okay, if you were able to vote absentee, right? There would be fewer, if any, drop boxes, right? How would you feel if your ballot could be rejected for having a quote, unquote, invalid signature? In other words, a signature is going to be required and somebody decides, nah, that's not that person's signature. We're going to toss it. Yeah. Imagine how you would feel if your vote, if you voted and your vote was overturned, you voted for one person and election officials or state lawmakers decided, no, we want the other guy. Think You're about that. Disenfranchised, yeah. All of that is happening across the country. There are laws that represent every single one of these questions that I just asked you, right? There are laws to restrict voting absentee, if at all, how you vote absentee, what's considered a valid valid ballot, and they are changing, they're putting in election officials, these are people who oversee elections with people that they know will vote in their favor or do what they want them to do. And, and that almost happened last year, last, um, in, in 2020 um, in Wisconsin. They, they over, overturned a result, but yeah, okay. So What's in your control? It's in your control to educate yourself. Don't take my word for it. You can just Google voter fraud, voter restrictions, Mm -hmm. right? Don't rely on one source for anything. I'm I'm one source. Don't rely just on me. What (laughs) did you say? I'm like, preach, girl, testify. Yeah, that's right. A big one, seriously. Um, you know, there are some some very nonpartisan news programs out there, but they're dull. They are dull, like C-SPAN and, you know, some of some of NPR stuff, you know, not of the radio, but like on public TV. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. But just don't rely on one source. Spread the word. If you're educated, tell your friends and family about what's going on. And lastly, donate to nonpartisan groups that are pro-democracy, nonpartisan, nonprofit, pro-democracy groups, groups that you, like you said, Fritz, we have limited time and energy, but there are groups out there, right, that have the time and have the energy and they can 
donate, you can donate to them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you, but they can't vote for you. They can't vote for you. So you've got to get out and you got to vote. You got to educate yourself on who to vote for. So that they're one of those groups is called protectdemocracy.org. Protectdemocracy.org. So any last words, Fritz? My brain is full, but I feel empowered in a peaceful way. I know it's a complicated thing, but the way this country was founded, it was founded on togetherness, on compromise, on working together and being there for each other. We've lost our moorings, but it doesn't mean we can't get back there. So, all right, I'm going to get out and vote. Yeah. I mean, I was going to anyway, but right, I'm still going. Right. So, you know. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny that you should say that because um, this is something that I always say, that democracy is more than a system of government. Mm. It's a roadmap for fairness and cooperation, basically. It is. It is. So. Awesome. Okay, you know, we might end up revisiting this subject again, you know? I hope we do. It's a big thing. We can't cover all of it in one episode. It's the thing. It's It's the thing, thing, right? Nothing else matters if we don't have our democracy. So anyway, well, thank you all for listening out there. And um, we will see you next time, right?